Welcome to Next Level Masterminds. No sound in my head, Dave. Fifth and final uh, webinar for the public. Um, obviously, we've got a great lineup. We're still waiting on Donovan Ruffin to join us, but uh, we appreciate everybody taking the time to pour into the community. Um, the, the panel for itself, you know, I mean, it, it kind of speaks for itself. We've got Max Maxwell, Rafael Vargas, Christina Spells, and hopefully at some point in time, Donnie shows up. He's always late to everything, so why would he not be late to this? So I uh, want to go ahead and just get this started. I uh, don't want to spend too much time on introductions because I know everybody's got a ton of questions about what's going on in the marketplace, right? what they're seeing in the markets. So I want to kick this off by throwing it to you, Max, uh, because you're the closest to having a beard like me. So my favorite, so I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, what are you seeing right now in your marketplace, and how have you seen some of the shifts over the past three to four weeks? Um, you threw that to me, right? Yep. I'm glad you can hear me. I wasn't sure. We didn't do a sound test before we got in. but We uh, can hear you, bud. Oh, okay, cool. So you didn't hear me cuss or anything before, did you? No, no, no. <coughs> All right, cool. Dave, turn me down in my ear just a little bit. Um, so typically, like, right now um, – it's funny that all the buyers who are not typically 100% cash had their cash pile are scared. Everybody's, everybody's backing up. But funny enough, we have some retail products that we've been, we've been, we're at the tail end of the flip flips where a lot of this stuff happened. Our retail products are still going fast, which I'm still, still kind of confused on that just a little bit. I know they're tightening up on, on the actual, um, you know, requirements to get a loan, but that hasn't taken effect yet. Mm -hmm. So, so people are still following through with the inventory. Cause if you know the four phases of real estate, you know, that we were in, we weren't even in, we were, we weren't even in a hyper supply yet because it was like a perfect that as you put a house on the market, it was selling. Um, so it was still a seller's market. And obviously the coronavirus threw us into where we're now in between a hyper supply and a recession. Um, so it's just, it's just kind of crazy that it just jumped us into something totally different. So I don't know. I, I can't predict what's going to happen. I know right now, true cash buyers are scared or are, 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 I guess everybody's kind of scared because now they're kind of waiting for the bottom of the market. I do have a few people that are still buying based upon that, you know, it's, it's still, they know what a discount, they can identify a discount. And as wholesalers, we're still buying properties. We're still getting properties on a contract. 40, 50 cents on a dollar. So these people that actually truly have money, it's, no, it's going to be no problem for them. Let me ask you this question about the inventory that you currently have. Maybe projects that you're mid-rehab or you're just starting. What is your, your plan with that? Are you going to try to expedite that and get it on the market quicker to kind of maybe miss out on when those lending changes actually take effect and maybe a downturn in the market a little bit? Man, here, here's the cool thing about being a wholesaler is that you only get to, you get to cherry pick what's hot. Right. So if you're cherry picking what's hot, everything we personally buy with our own money, we have multiple exit strategies. Everything that I'm flipping right now, which is currently only like three properties, right? Everything that we're flipping, I would not mind holding it for a rental for three, four, five years. Beautiful. Christina, what about you? I know you're in St. Louis. We've got quite a few people in the Midwest. Uh, what are you seeing as far as your inventory and, and your ability to wholesale properties right now? Um, so, I mean, for people who don't necessarily know my model, um, so we hold um, about 140-ish properties right now. Um, 
And the way we have it structured is actually pretty good. Um, we're about 38% on section eight. So we're sitting pretty right now. Um, we have 25 vacancies in our portfolio right now, just through acquisitions, tenant move outs, things like that and rehab. So three of our properties are rehab retail, um, well, retail or development. And then the rest are tenants. Um, honestly, there hasn't been a slowdown at all with leasing. Um, we've just had to be a little bit more conservative, obviously, before the tenant moves in, make sure that there's been no income changes or anything like that. But honestly, um, we're buying cheaper. Um, we were able to buy a house uh, this week in a neighborhood that um, traditionally I wouldn't be able to pick up anything this cheap. So um, which is which is good. So I think that we've just adjusted our return on investment that we want just to be a little bit higher. But um, our, our game is long term, my game long term, it's cash flow. Um, and then obviously, I'm, I'm flipping to have cash to buy more rental properties. Um, and I'm in the single family space. So no big multifamilies yet or anything like that. Um, I find that when there's a lot of multifamily, the tenants talk to each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's usually not a good thing. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we we're sitting pretty right now. Um, obviously, we're just we've just been providing resources to the tenants, um, giving them whatever opportunities um, that we can. Um, all my staff is still in place. Um, and yeah, beautiful. Well, I want to talk about your tenants here in a little bit. But Donnie, uh, you're looking beautiful as ever this morning. Um, I know because you know, you and I are friends, we're in the same market. I know you went on like this buying spree like a couple of months ago where you were you were literally asking every single wholesaler in DFW, like, send me every deal, I'm going to make an offer. So looking back at that now, how much inventory did you did you accumulate? And what were you doing with that? Were you planning on flipping that? Or were you going to keep those as rentals or owner financing? No, I was def- definitely looking for uh, flips. Um, so we picked up uh, about eight properties the past three months. Um, right now we have four left. So we got kind of lucky in and out pretty quick. Um, we're not really going to change our strategy other than, uh, lower our, our purchase price, obviously. Um, as far as buyers on the inventory, I mean, kind of like Max is saying, our retail stuff still flying off the shelf. Um, I I was in a, like a development phase project and, uh, I'm actually selling that just because of fear, right? It's better be safe than sorry. Um, so we accepted an offer on that. It's good to close past option period, et cetera, et cetera, which is awesome. Um, but I mean, essentially kind of what we're paying attention to is we're looking for, uh, I mean, just the 2000 builds plus, and then we're going to put like a plus rehabs in it. I'm used to doing like C plus B minus rehabs, just kind of like the, the kiss and paint and list and it just fly off the shelf, but, um, there's still going to be buyers on the market, you know? So, uh, basically kind of what, even if the, the supply increases, we just got to make it the nicest house possible. Um, and that's kind of what we're preparing for is just to put a more extensive rehab into our rehab projects. Um, as far as dispositions, though, we, we're changing our strategy a little bit. Um, obviously, we have, what, 23 properties that we need to be assigned. Um, so now the focus is just dispositions, we're adding some more disposition reps. Um, and yeah, we're just, the way I see it, like worst case scenario, like the motivated seller is now the motivated buyer. So the team structure is going to flip 180. So I'm actually pretty excited to, to see how this all unfolds in the next couple months. 
I find it interesting that you say you were doing C plus rehabs and now you're wanting to do A plus rehabs because my thought process is now you could do those C plus rehabs list it for a lower price and that might incentivize somebody to come in where they feel like they're not paying at the top of the, the market. Are you wanting to do those A plus rehabs and still try to sell at the top of the market or are you discounting it a little bit? Well, we're going to do like A plus rehabs and still list it below. I mean like the B plus rehabs just to be gotcha. competitive because you got to think about it. Like when, I mean, think like 20% down and 700 plus uh, credit rating, those are going to be pretty responsible people. And especially when the inventory increases, if it does, um, whatever happens, you're still going to be buyers. You just got to make the product um, like an A-plus product. So Yeah, I agree with him. I don't know if you guys can hear me. I agree with him because when you're in that, that mode where you're – it's essentially a seller's market. You don't have to put that much into the rehab because there's not that much inventory out there. People are less picky when it becomes a buyer's market, now you have to start doing those A plus, those, those good stuff. Because like you said, you got a more responsible buyer that does meet the 700 plus 20%. And then frankly, instead of them going to go see two houses during the whole week, now they're going to go see 13. So you got to be competing against those. So I, I agree with him that you got to put more money into it, but obviously he's still buying, right? He's just going to make it pretty much is going to be lipsticks. Lipstick uh, flips are going to be done there for a little while. Right. All right, Mr. Vargas, uh, I want to bring you in on this conversation because you've obviously had a, a pretty public uh, announcement in the fact that uh, you're no longer doing real estate right now. So uh, was that due to what was going on with COVID-19 or was that a decision that you made because of other reasons? Um, <laughs> so a lot of people think that's some uh, marketing gimmick when in reality um, it's absolutely not. So, you know, I'm... I'm <laughs> The one thing that I've been seeing is that, and, and the decisions that I've been making have been more on a macroeconomic level, understanding what's actually happening kind of on a more macroeconomic level and how that's going to affect real estate overall. So, you know, and this, this might sound crazy, but in 2008, you know, I had a mentor that caught this entire thing. When, when, when almost no one caught this in 2008, I had a mentor that caught this. And the reason why he caught it was because, because all the signs were showing that it was a positive market, the highest prices they've ever been, everything was amazing. There's a new standard of real estate. And what he taught me was an invaluable lesson, which is for me, right, and my spirituality is hearing from God, right? He heard in his quiet time that there was going to be a massive recession. And so just because I knew that timing was happening, I did the same thing. I actually went to Tulum, Mexico, seven months, uh, seven weeks ago, about seven, eight weeks ago. And I spent a lot of quality time just praying, Bible, journaling. And I felt it in my heart, convicted in my heart. Like, now's the time, right? I, I actually separated from my partners in the education space. So that ended. And I felt like God was telling me real estate is coming to an end. And for you, for you and your life. And I said, that's weird. What am I going to focus on? Uh, Amazon was the next thing that I focused on. And I said, okay, I'm going to go all in on that. Transfer a lot of my employees, et cetera, et cetera. This was seven weeks ago. And then this COVID-19 stuff comes out. Amazon is doing better than it's ever done. It's exploding. I'm studying macroeconomic trends. What's going to happen? The government is going to pump an additional $8 trillion into the economy. Okay? What does that mean? Inflation, right? Okay, inflation. How much did they pump in 2008? $800 billion? We're talking 10x the amount. 
What is that going to What's that going to do to the economy? Inflation. But not only is it inflation, it's stagflation. Okay. And if you want, if you if you study what stagflation is, it's actually when inflation rapidly increases. This actually happened in 1970 with the gold standard. Inflation rapidly increases. Okay, and unemployment rate is drastically high, and wages do not meet the the the, the spike of inflation. Very bad. Okay, bad stuff. Not only that. Okay, Chase. Uh, you know, uh, lenders are tightening up. Need twenty. 30% down now on properties. Um, the default rates, a third of renters in April did not pay. I understand a lot of us have Section 8 properties. I do too. You know, I have almost a $20 million portfolio, which I liquidated a lot of it, right? But the default rate is about to skyrocket. So what is, the prices from 2008, right? Price points are 116%, right? 116% from where the peak of the prices were in 2007 or six, wherever the peak was. So we're in for, a, 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 in my opinion, right? This is my opinion. I'm not giving any financial advice, a massive, massive correction. So I'm just grateful to God. And this is what I recommend everybody here to do, right? There's a lot of big, massive opportunities. You know, I'm sitting on a few million, glory to God. And, and because now with that, I'm able to invest. Now is not the time, in my opinion, to be buying real estate because we haven't reached support levels yet. We have a lot further to go down. I think 35 to 40% further to drop. And we haven't even begun dropping. We haven't. And so I, I hate to be bad news. The good thing is there's massive opportunity right now. You know, and in my opinion, wholesaling, when buyers are getting scared, who are you going to sell to? Who's buying? My hedge fund buyers, which we were selling like what, 40 properties a month to in multiple different states, right? They stopped buying. They stopped buying. One of my family offices that was also buying massively stopped buying. Okay, but so let, it's like, let me let me drop in there real quick because there's there's still people buying, okay? Mm -hmm. And and we're seeing that across the country. I mean, we have people in, you know, from the east coast to the west coast on here, and we're mm -hmm. still able to do that. So what I feel like right now is more important is is buying deeper, right? So you're talking about selling the hedge fund buyers. Well, that's, that's because, it, to be quite frank, I mean, that was the easy way of wholesaling. I mean, it was easier to buy higher, get deals, and sell to the hedge funds. Well, if they've tightened up, now you just have to work on your sales skills and buy deeper and find those smaller Christina Spells in St. Louis. She just said, hey, I'm buying. Mm -hmm. So all I got to do is pick up the phone and call Christina and say, hey, what's your formula? What do you want to buy? And what's your cash flow look like? So, I mean, I, I get that this was a decision that you made before. Um, everything that happened with COVID-19. And I want other people to jump in here. I mean, what are y'all's thoughts about kind of what Raphael's talking about where we are right now in the marketplace? Um, I, I mean, I guess I could chime in for a second. I think what he's saying is partially right. I just don't believe we're there yet. Um, there, there will be some type of correction that's coming. Um, but we also got to remember during, during 2000, when, when the last crash happened, you got a company like Blackstone who was spending $100 million a week buying property, 100 million a week. Now I'm not saying that we're at the point where they're gonna pick up properties at 30 cents on the dollar yet, um, but we, we kind of are, are, all of us kind of are charting into unknown territories with real estate right. altogether. But one of the main fundamentals 
when you become an investor and actually start acquiring property, I think you really have to know the four phases of real estate. And I've said, I just said it a few minutes ago, if you understand the four phases, then you understand what to do in each phase. And I think that's the important thing. And right now is when the people who are rich are going to become wealthy and the wealthier people are going to become even wealthier, right? Because I know people that are huge right now that have, that were lending money prior to this, this COVID-19 scare that they're actually buying notes of the properties pennies on the dollar, you know, from people who are over leveraged or who's, who's getting their margin calls done. So he's, he's partially right. Um, you know, like he said, he, he did make a personal decision before all of this anyways. And, right, and you know, right. here's the thing. Some people are going to bet to, to, to win it all at, at in, and whatever, you know, place he is in, in his business. And then you have some people who are just going to play it right until they see the place to actually put their capital. So there's just different, there's different places. And I think what we have to, there's I think different strategies. yeah. And I think what we really have to understand is that there, there's people going to win in every situation in the market and there's really no right or wrong answer. So I think that's important to also bring up Max, as well. But let me ask you a question, Max, haven't all of us for the past three, four, five years been begging and waiting for the correction like we've been wanting this right i mean we didn't want it this drastic and this this impactful but we've been wanting and needing some kind of a correction i I would i wouldn't say i was preying on any any downfall in the economy i just wanted to be prepared because last time i owned a brokerage when this happened and i had no idea i was just a dumb agent right and i just thought the world was ending at that point um so i think now when, when I seen the, everything happen from 08, 09, all the way up, I just wanted to be prepared for when it did happen. Now, did I thought I was going to wake up one day and just because of news, we were going to go from one phase and jump two or three phases and go to a recession? No, I didn't. So I wish the, slow, the roll was a little slower. But luckily, over the last couple of years, I was, I've been able to save money. I didn't go out and do things that I really wanted to do or buy things I really want to do. So I, I'm prepared for this. Not as prepared as I wanted to be, but, I'm, you know, I think we are going to, all gonna, if we were, if we were all students of the game, we'll have, we'll be fine. Hey, real quick, because I've seen this this question come across uh, multiple times. You've referenced the four stages. Can you talk about? Can you just real quick tell what those four stages are, real quick? You ha- you have the recovery stage. You have the in- expansion stage, which which is I think what we were in prior to this, and I think we were in between expansion and hypersupply. So expansion is when when it when. Expansion is essentially when the market is right where it needs to be. It came out of the recovery. It's buy one, sell one, sell one, buy one. I think that's where it was. But I think we were in between uh, uh, an expansion and a hypersupply. And the hypersupply is when you started to see in Florida particularly whole entire uh, developments being built and then too much. So now it was too much supply on the market. So instead of going, instead of having just, you know, three houses to look at, they have 30 options. So that's when you have that hyper supply. And then right after hyper supply is essentially when you have an actual recession. And, and so those happen whenever they happen. They don't happen all at the, you know, the same time. They don't have the same lens. But, you know, just understanding that those are the four cycles, I think you'll, you'll, you'll be able to know what to do when each cycle presents itself. Right. So the only, but ahead, I think Rafael. something that's really important here is, you know, real estate is, uh, was, you know, not for Rafael in the moment, but it is a major vessel for all of us on this call. But what is awesome is to be able to see other perspectives and other shifts because I'm very glad that I have, you know, three sources of income right now. 
And I think that, you know, what we can take from this call is the, the things that Raphael is talking about and what he may be doing, you know, if he went all in on real estate and, you know, did pretty well with that, then whatever he's about to go all in on, it may be something that we want to add as a second and third life side hustle because there's people that just started wholesaling three months ago before this happened and they may not have 20, 30, 40, 100, $200,000 in the bank. They may have $3,000 in the bank, which doesn't mean they can't continue to wholesale, but it's also good for us to all realize and take this moment that having multiple income streams and even different industries, maybe like one or two other streams outside of real estate, I think are important for the sustainability, you know, in 10, 20, 30 years and having that foundation. So I'm actually glad to hear everybody's view on this because to me, it just opens doors and opens my eyes to other ways that we can bring in other income that don't always necessarily revolve around real estate. Hey, yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and say something because I had several people reach out to me a couple of days ago when we made the announcement of this panel. Um, kudos to you, Raphael, for coming on this. I mean, you're with seven other real estate investors that obviously we're not going to sit here and say, hey, we're going to go do Amazon today like you are. We're going to continue down our real estate investing path. You were still willing to, to come on here and, and <laughs> have this conversation. So, uh, I, used I used to make my own products in, in, in China and bring them over here, white label. So I understand where he's going. He's 100% right. There's a shit ton of money in doing that. Um, but, you know, I don't want to go back down that road right now because I, I now understand where I, where I fit in. But you got to also remember, I think, and, and man, just, just to break the thing, I think the environment of real estate in this, since I got in a little bit over three years ago, has been it's one of the most toxic industries I've ever been a part of as far as the people who are, are up here. It is the most toxic industry. I've been, I've been a bail bondsman. I've been a car salesman. I've been, I've, I've had, I've been a restaurant. I've had so many, I've never seen so much bickering between people at the top. It is, it just blows my mind. It yeah. makes me want to leave this industry so fast. Amen. Know, so so I, 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 I kind of understand where you just want to get away, you know, and, and I'm not afraid to say, you know, my company that does real estate will see a million, maybe a million two between wholesaling and flipping. I'm not afraid to say that, you know, my brand business will see between two to $3 million in itself. And then I have other companies that I own that are supports of real estate that will bring in another couple million dollars for myself. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be the biggest wholesaler in the world. I'm, I was, I was planning on going to developer school before uh, COVID hit, you know? So I just, I just think this panel, this educated panel of people can all be like, yo, this industry and the people in it right now that are, are, you know, are, are influencers. It's such a, a toxic, toxic place to be in. It makes me want to just shut down take a few million and get the hell out of here. But I understand the long goal in all of this. And I'm trying to build generational wealth for the kids I don't even have yet. Right. So I'm, I'm sticking out. I'm, I, first of all, first and foremost, I think everybody on this panel at first is an entrepreneur. Amen. We've all had other businesses that have failed and have succeeded. And we hit this one at the right time to do what we need to do. Okay. So I don't care if you make your money as an internet marketer. I don't care if you make your money as a wholesaler, I don't care if you make your money as a flipper, go out and make that money and build generational wealth. Yeah. We just got to stop, stop the whole crap 
that's going on. And I think well, the other and, thing is like people just expect it to be like a, you know, like an us against other people thing. And it's just like the expectation that we are supposed to be bickering. Um, and the reality is like Raphael and I have, have shook hands. Like I, I actually really, really respect Raphael. So it's not anything of being against anyone. It's just the opportunity to see things from a different perspective, um, to add additional streams of revenue and yeah maybe you're going half and half or maybe you're going all in real estate right now but the reality is is at the end of the day you need to know how to buy and you need to know how to sell regardless of what your product is you need to know how to buy and you need to know how to sell that i mean literally it's the same concept regardless and of follow a business plan like i think that that's one of the things like i like jamie you said it really well but at the end of the day um no matter what business you're doing like max is saying he has multiple companies that bring in all these different amounts of revenue, um, whether they're related, like ours, like at Titanium happen to be all related to real estate. Um, and it's, you know, you're going to have to make pivots in those businesses and, and follow a business plan and keep that business plan updated throughout, no matter what market you're in, no matter what cycle you're in. And I think that that is, I mean, it's so funny before I even knew uh, about Raphael's uh, change of course, I guess, if you will. Um, I actually said to RJ, I was like, what do you think about e-commerce? Like a couple of weeks before that, because I'm just like, you know, I'm always thinking in that entrepreneurial mindset, like what is it that, you know, we're capable of? What is it where we are, where is our time best spent as entrepreneurs? You know, what fills our cup, you know, and how are we buying and how are we selling our, our product, our brand, our, real estate, whatever it might be, um, you know, I, I would venture to say, like, if you really are a true entrepreneur, you're not <laughs> only married to just real estate unless that's really what you're passionate about. It just happens to be that's really what we're passionate about. So I want to go back to something that you said, Max, about the toxicity of real estate investing. And, and I agree that there are moments where that nastiness does come out and it's especially on like the internet platforms right youtube the facebook groups and, and areas like that uh and the reason why i want to talk about this for a little bit is the fact that each one of us on this call have had the opportunity to go to events together change people's lives speak on the same stages be on podcasts together and impact other people's lives but the other aspect of that is is that I have collaborated with quite a few of you on this call, done deals and made a significant amount of money with you on this call. And that's the important part. And that's the difference between real estate investing and some other industries is that I can pick the phone up and call Donovan Ruffin, who is my direct competitor in DFW and say, do you want to do this project together and make tens of thousands of dollars together? And the answer becomes yes. And we do that. So if Miss you're one days. of those kind of people that has that toxic mindset where you want to go after somebody, find, find a YouTube video, one of the hundreds that either myself or Max or somebody else has put out and find something where maybe we didn't say something 100% correct and call us a guru or something like that. You're missing out on opportunities to change your life and work with somebody else. Um, I don't know if anybody else wants to kind of add on to that, but I, I feel like you know, if you look at some of these other locations where collaboration is such a huge part of the marketplace and the opportunities for people to do things, you know, I mean, Max, I know you've been doing stuff with Jamil recently. I mean, Jamil's whole business is based off of collaboration and doing business with other people. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, imagine if he was going around and, and had that toxic mindset that you're talking about. It's, I mean, it's ap- every industry I've been in. I don't care if it's when I own restaurants and I needed uh, two box of wings and, and my delivery was late, but you had them down the street, I would get them from you. I don't care if it was when I owned a car lot. If I couldn't sell a car and I had a customer, I would send them back and forth. So I just, I, I really wish what happens is, is, and plain and simple, the people that get into this industry have never, most of them have never been a part of any other professional industry. So they don't know what a standard is. I think that it's up to us as, you know, the leaders and the influencers to try to kind of set this, man. Um, but I, I, I love this industry, man. I just sometimes hate the people in it. Well, yeah, Ryan, I, mean, I want to I'm bring. A, go ahead. I'm no, definitely an entry level guru. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it's, real estate's just always been like my, my bread and butter, right? So, I mean, I've been in other industries. I've made millions of dollars in different industries, and my heart is in real estate. That's what I enjoy to do, and I'm also good at it. Um, so, just going into tough times, you have to make decisions, you know. But me personally, I just want to stick to what makes me happy. I want to stick to what I know. I want to stick to what I'm good at. Um, but what's most important is you have to prepare for worst case scenario. Like what is the worst thing that could possibly happen? Um, so the way I see it, the market is going to be super unstable for like the next uh, six to seven, eight months, even a year where we don't really know what's going to happen until, especially when the Corona disappears, everything's going to be backlogged, et cetera, et cetera. Who knows where the market's going to go, but you have to prepare for that worst case scenario um, where can I, survive through the next six to nine months to a year can i survive in and withstand in in real estate and make income to not just pay my bills to to build a business especially in wholesaling um so how we're pivoting in, in our business is just to prepare for worst possible case scenario um if there's zero buyers on the market um there's only one thing <laughs> that could possibly happen i mean i've had really tough conversations with my team um with my family it's just like hey like we could say goodbye to the twenty, thirty thousand dollar licks on these deals, but we're gonna. It, it's kind of like you're parking money or effort into a savings account um, when we buy these properties at, at super discounted. Um, and I'm I'm not like praying for a downfall, but it's gonna be an amazing opportunity if the market does go down from like a hundred percent to thirty, forty percent, and it drops like seventy percent. Um, it's gonna be an amazing opportunity for a lot of people that are prepared. Um, to go in there and help those individuals where they can't sell their properties. Um, so, I mean, that's just kind of uh, what, what, my, what our plan is um, and my company, obviously, dispositions is our main focus. Um, I've been tracking our cost per lead. Our cost per lead actually uh, went down 40% over the past couple of weeks. Um, so we went from like $82,000 overhead and right now we're just under $20,000. Um, and we're, we're still cranking it out. Sellers are a little bit more motivated. They're starting to understand everything, especially the absentee people. And it, it's just a matter of, of getting in and networking and, um, and, and connecting with more cash buyers. But I mean, once again, they could all be wiped out completely. We don't know. Um, How have you changed your marketing since all this started, Donovan? What's up? How have you changed your marketing? Um, so the biggest thing we did, I mean, we had quite a bit of cold callers. Uh, so we, we just kind of pulled the plug on that. And uh, what we've been bringing on American cold callers, paying them all commission. Everybody's home anyways. Um, so we're providing them opportunity um, to be part of our company. Um, and there's no risk and we're paying them all commission so they don't get paid to the deal closes anyways. Um, so that's one of the major pinpoint or pivots that we did 
uh, the past couple of weeks is onboarding these American cold callers, people that are at home that have a computer um, and just helping us out with the cold calling and they make a percentage of the deal versus they were paying by the hour of these VAs. So that has helped a lot with our, with our uh, cost per lead. Um, and I mean, our, our leads are still flowing in. We're actually getting more leads now than we, we did with, with all those cold callers. So it's, it's kind of like a blessing in disguise. It's like, I, I wish I was doing this a year ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Oh, what about you, Christina? How have you like, changed your, uh, your marketing a little bit? You can go ahead and comment, Jamie. No, I just wanted to, I think, for, I'm just thinking about people on the call. Like when I started, I always try to put myself like in those shoes. And what he just said, going from 80 something thousand dollars overhead to 20 something thousand, we talked a little bit about the marketing, but people that may have only $3,000 a month that, you know, they can spend now versus the eight, like what did you cut to where you're still able to stay afloat? If you could give some ideas of maybe, I think everybody, what your change in marketing is and what you've cut, because I think that's really important, especially for, you know, newer investors that have only been in, you know, a little while and just don't have the big padding that, you know, some of us on here may have. So how, how did you shift that? What does that look like? Yeah, so we had quite a bit of cold callers. So, I mean, I, I just pulled the plug out of Asia completely and got some higher quality cold callers in Costa Rica. Um, so we had like 40 callers at one call center in Asia and we just completely cut them all. Um, let them still float through the, through deposits, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I mean, it, uh, for, for us or for me personally, what I did is I went to the bank um, and I went to Wells Fargo. I opened up a new bank account, pulled all my money out of Chase, uploaded it into Wells Fargo. And I kind of realized that I had $12,000 of services, softwares, um, miscellaneous reoccurring charges that I was using for my company that I wasn't really using. Um, and it's not like a good thing to say this, but I wasn't really, really paying attention um, to the fine detail of what I actually needed uh, to produce leads and to produce uh, or uh, to generate leads and uh, contracts throughout my company. And the reality is I didn't need all that stuff, you know, and the, the people that are watching that don't have anybody on their team, um, that have that $3,000 in the bank and they don't have all these high overhead costs, you're actually in an amazing position, mm -hmm. right? You don't have as much risk as a lot of people out here, right? Um, you, you guys have an amazing opportunity, especially in a downfall, to come in and learn. And yeah, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be as easy as what it used to be. But imagine you're going through and you're doing these deals even in a down market. And then when the market comes back up again, it's just going to be like clockwork. Um, I know a lot of people that went through the, the last down, downfall, even got into real estate right when it happened, stuck through it, and then all of a sudden it starts going back up and everything is just so easy. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm actually excited to learn um, from this downfall um, and uh, uh, adjust everything just to, to prepare for it. So it's, it's definitely exciting times. But I think, I mean, to answer your question, um, it is, I, I just cut all my cold callers, really. That was Christina, my can, experience. You, can you chime in on that a little bit about marketing and uh, some of the shifts that you've made? Yeah, so um, I think one of the things that I did from the beginning, um, so I have a mentor, and one of the things that he always used to tell me was, like, to keep my expenses low, right? So I've always kept a very lean business. Um, we generate from cold calling about 30 to 40 leads a week. Um, and that is legit with one cold caller. Um, so what someone's doing and they're, they're putting, you know, 
40 cold callers or five cold callers, um, you know, I'm able to do that same thing. Um, also by partnering, I'm like really, really big on collaboration. So I, you know, I buy from other wholesalers. Um, I position myself in the market to really like just be that person that people can come to for advice. Um, and just even, even if it's just feedback, right. So it could just be just feedback on a deal or, Hey, this is what I would pay or whatever it is. Um, but I think one of the biggest things is keeping those expenses as lean as possible. Um, if you're not good at something, then outsource that piece of your business. Um, but keep control of as much as you can. Um, I think that's, that's the biggest play was just keeping those expenses. Like I don't have a bunch of memberships to a bunch of things. Um, I never, I never really did. And like the second I felt like something wasn't serving my business, um, I would cut it off. Right. So literally my, the business, I mean, I have deal machine, um, I have a prop stream account, I have call tools as my dialer. And then I basically built out my podio myself. So like my podio and my globy flow is like what I use. Um, so it's super simple networking, um, call, cold calling and text messaging is, I mean, I've found like the cheapest ways to do it, um, and at scale, um, without, but also honing in on the data. So like the data that we go after is specific to what we're trying to target instead of just like, you know, most people, it's almost impossible to like send out 50,000 text messages. Like that's a blanket text message. You know what I mean? Like you're not being super targeted on what you want. So I think that's what it was was the idea of keeping things very lean as far as like my employees and things went. And then the second part of it was not utilizing systems and softwares that didn't really serve or bring income in like Donovan said. Gotcha. Max, do you want to chime in a little bit on the marketing side of things and what you're saying? Uh, so right before this, this, uh, this COVID-19 happened, you know, I just opened up a brand new 8,000 square foot office space that we haven't been in in a month. Right. Um, it's cool. I, I got reserves, so I wasn't tripping. Um, you know, I've been, all my employees still have their job. Um, marketing, what we've been doing uh, is preparing. Luckily, I have a website that's, that's, that's doing real well SEO-wise. I'm number one in the market. Had the website for over three years. Um, so that, that's been good. We've been getting a lot of search coming to the website. And uh, one thing that we've been doing is, is putting articles on the website related to the new search terms. COVID-19, coronavirus, how to sell. And um, Facebook ads are real cheap right now. I don't know if you guys know that. Um, so Facebook ads are real cheap. So we've been targeting people since they're at home and on their computers a lot, uh, targeting that age group where we've been seeing a lot and um, really going after anybody that we had followed up. So we, we really, we don't really, we cut down on the cold calls um, like, like Donovan, I mean, well, he's, he took them on American state side. We've cut down on the cold calls. We've been focusing on more just following up with a lot of people who had vacant properties. And I think that's where we kind of shifted everything now is we're kind of really focusing on what can I, how can I stack anything that's vacant right now? Because it doesn't make sense for people that are going through uncertain times to hold on to something that, that they don't know what's going to happen. A few months ago, they can hold on to it because they can predict that they were going to have a salary. So for us, you know, we're, we're still doing that. I was planning on scaling back my marketing because we were going to a complete disposition type business. Um, but we ramped it back up. So we're, on the, we're still on going. the Facebook ads. Are you utilizing static images or videos? Video with my camera like this, holding my camera to myself and actually walking through a property. I think that's, that's found. And then using the keywords in there, like, Hey, you know, I know we're in tough times right now. And you're probably thinking, how do you sell a house? Well, we're still practicing 
whatever we needed to do and and uh we put that stuff out like that another thing too that i think a lot of people are not really like a lot of people are going after these vacant houses um but another thing that people aren't necessarily looking at and it's something that i preach a lot is the whole cash flow approach of rental properties right and so there's a lot of landlords who are one over leveraged right um they don't know how they're going to make that payment even though foreclosure is not going to happen right now they're still scared like they don't want their credit to be affected so I think that and even houses like rental properties that are free and clear is that might be the only money that someone has. Right. So maybe their thirty thousand dollars that they have is actually sitting in a rental property. Right. So by cold calling them or reaching out to them and asking them like, hey, would you, would you be interested in selling? You're relieving them and giving them the opportunity so they don't have to take out, you know, a 401k loan or, you know, they're not panicked, but they most people really honestly don't think that they could sell right now. Like they think that the world is over uh, because that's what the media is portraying. And they don't think that you can sell a house, but that might be the only place that their money is parked right now. So I think being that voice of reason, I think that's why all of us can agree that our contact rate is going higher, um, our contracts, you know, all these things, and we could be a little bit more selective. So we're getting better deals is because of this. Um, is because we can be the opportunity for someone to, you know, remove themselves from a situation that doesn't, you know, that seems hopeless to them. And you can bring that hope into, you know, back into their and, life. And one, and one thing that I would do that Mr. Robinson kind of told me about that, that made him, him and his wife successful during the last recession is as soon as they start rolling out these new government programs on how to keep your house and how to do that stuff, educate yourself, become a resource for all your customers on that topic and walk them through that process, whether they or not they sell with you. Some, some people are going to go ahead and go with the process and get approved for the program, whether it's um, HARP or whatever, whatever they bring back. Um, and, and just being that source of information that people could come to. And then some people are just going to be like, you know what? I don't want this house anymore. You take it. Or they're going to want to do a loan modification or whatever. So just get really good at all the resources and all the options um, that are available to people, regardless of what they're doing. Max, do you do your own SEO? I know in the beginning, um, you know, I've seen you talk about that with Trevor. Do you still currently do your own SEO? So I, I do SEO things that Carrot tells me to do. So I, I have a special, I, I have Trevor's cell phone number. So when he says do something, I'm like, hey, how do you do this? And we go dive deep. I think where a lot of people, regardless of whatever software or whatever thing you're using right now, um, we typically, when we go out and buy something like call tools or whatever, whatever, whatever you're doing, people typically don't actually understand not even 80% of the functions of that thing, Amen. right? And I think right now is a perfect time to go find out at least 80% of the functions of whatever tool you're using. Um, so with just same with carrot, I'm, I'm doing extra stuff that carrot already provides in it. Um, I'm taking the carrot articles and I'm take I'm taking a full carrot article that talks about how to sell their COVID-19. And then I'm going to paraphrase it on a screen recording using about five slides, using all the keywords that he has in the actual, the blog. And then I'm going to upload it to a YouTube and get the words uh, captioned so that Google reads the words that are said in it. And that, that helps rank the website that the video then goes ranked. So not only do you see my website, number one, you also see a video that people are more likely going to click on and, and, and it's just going to lead to more sales. So just the simple stuff you can do during the downturn, the, during this downtime right now can actually boost you up to the next level. 
Max and yeah. Christine, I, I really appreciate that you guys brought up how important it is to invest in education, invest in yourself. And one thing that a word that we've kind of thrown out on this call a lot is one solution right now is to buy deeper. But really, you guys are able to buy deeper because you've invested the time. And I bet you guys continue to invest the time into sales and how to be a better salesperson. Right, Raphael? And how important it is if you're sitting at home and you're doing stuff, you, let's say you reduce your marketing budget, like the advice that Donovan gave and these other people gave, you're going to get less leads. Well, you better learn how to buy deeper. And the way to do that is to be an amazing salesperson. Study how to build rapport, how to handle objections, how to deal. You know, what happens when you show up and there's three people in the room? How do you deal with that situation? And they all have different personalities. I mean, the appointment is where you're going to make the most money. And now's the time as you have some downtime to invest in that and become an amazing salesperson. I agree all the time. <laughs> I mean, does anybody, Donovan, I know you have quite a big a team and I've seen a couple of people talk about have you gotten cold callers to work commission only? Did you just transition your acquisition reps to cold callers? No, they're still working regular acquisition. So um, to be honest, I haven't hired anybody in my company since like, uh, late last year, like October, November-ish. Um, so, I mean, obviously in sales, I mean, the turnover is pretty high. So I, I, I didn't really make it a main focus to, to hire more in the winter. Um, and I'm glad I did that because now we have four regular acquisitions, two lead managers. Um, and these guys are making pretty much all commission other than three people in my company. So I'm paying three salaries right now. And I mean, they earn their salary anyways, regardless. So we're, we're running pretty lean. Um, it was my goal to, uh, at the end of last year, before all this stuff even happened, um, like a year ago, we had over 42 people in, in office full time. <laughs> it, it was like a madhouse. Um, and then the net profits weren't where they, they should have been. I mean, just the, the headache of running so many people. Um, and it was one of my goals to get less than 10 at the end of the year. So um, we're, we're pretty close to that and we're running pretty lean, but as far as what I did to hire American cold callers, I just made some social media posts. I mean, I have a pretty good presence on, on my personal social media pages. I know people are at home all day. Some people lost jobs. Um, some people want to get into real estate. So, um, it, it doesn't matter where you're at in the country. I just provided that opportunity. We have the seats anyways. We got rid of all the cold callers. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it was a pretty easy transition um, to get people on the dialer. So take advantage of, of, of the situation, but you got to understand you got to help some people out too. So that's kind of, it was like a win-win for me. Donna, um, did you reduce your buy price with your cold callers? Did you tell them or whoever makes that decision? Did you reduce what you pay? You're paying? To my cold callers? Just whoever's going on appointments or, you know, coming up with the offer. Did you kind of as a company say, we're not buying a 75, we're now buying a 70 or 65? Uh, yeah, so we, we dropped everything 10, 15%. So I have it in Podio with offer prices should be. So once they type in the ARV and like the, the repair estimate, et cetera, et cetera, it'll give them a MAO. So we, I manually did that like 10%. And I mean, I didn't tell anybody, but <laughs> they, they were still locking it up. So I was like, man, I should have did this a long time ago. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. I want to go back to Christina's point about, you know, there's people out there that, their last $30,000 might be tied up in a property. And this just happened last week where uh, our, our lead intake person came to me and said, hey, we've got this lead right here. It's free and clear. Um, and, and, you know, my mentor back in the day always told me whenever you make an offer, um, if you're not slightly embarrassed, you, you offer too much, right? 
well, it's been a while since I made as an aggressive as an offer as I did. And I was thinking, hey, this is going to totally come back with like an F you, right? Made the offer and his response was, sounds great. When can you close? And then I'm bashing my head against the wall. I'm like, oh my God, I offered too much, you know? And, and to Christina's point, right, and Ryan's point, you know, sales is extremely important right now and buying deeper. But even just, you know, I, I think it's important that we're discounting on the ARV and we're buying at a deeper percent than what we are. So it's, it's almost double-sided, right? Like we have to anticipate that the, the ARV is going to go down and we still need to be buying at a deeper discount than what we were because people are no longer, you know, in some of these markets like DFW, Phoenix, they were buying anywhere in the 78 to 85% range. You know, that's not going to happen anymore. And, and to Raphael's point earlier on, the hedge funds are tightening up, right? I don't know if that's across the board because I know we've been able to move a couple of the hedge funds recently, but hey, at a, different markets, different reactions, right? So kind of pay attention. And, and that's also why it's very important to be talking to other people within your market and asking them, what are you seeing? How, how is your wholesale disposition going on? So is anybody right now on the panel currently reaching out to other people within their markets and trying to get a, a grasp as to what they're seeing in the market? Yeah, so I that? actually sent a few emails out to our VIP list. And by the way, um, we had a couple thousand people on our VIP list. We refiltered them all. Um, we, we actually lost like 40 to 50% of the, the people on our VIP list because they said they flat out said they're not active right now. Um, so we're not going to bother them with emails and deals and stuff like that. So we wanted to contact everybody individually. Um, and we got kind of a paraphrase and be like, I mean, people are used to buying at 80, 85% in, in our market here in Texas, right. Or in, in Dallas. Um, but I mean, Houston, Houston and, and Dallas Fort Worth are pretty much the same, to be honest. Um, San Antonio, people are picking up stuff about 60% right now. Um, Dallas Fort Worth for the high the high-end older homes, it's like 65, 68%. Um, but people are still buying at 75% um, for like the newer, less work properties. Um, we actually moved a deal uh, earlier uh, today, actually, at 78%. And I mean, we're, we're kind of like preparing, you know, we're, we're expecting to, to present you know, multiple exit strategies to our buyers, not just flip properties. It's like, hey, worst possible case scenario, get a tenant in there after all this stuff moves out and you guys will be fine. So gotcha. people are still buying. Well, hey, we've, we've got a couple more minutes. I know everybody's extremely busy. So I've seen a couple of questions come across as far as creative financing. Max, I know you like to do sub twos. Um, you, you do IG stories about them all the time. Is that a conversation that you've had with your team about, hey, guys, we need to keep our eyes open for more sub two possibilities? Or are you kind of pausing on that right now? I, I just bought one yesterday. Um, I can give you the address. Somebody want to look it up. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I took it over sub two. I, um, I, I, paid, I paid a wholesaler a $6,000 fee. Uh, the seller just wanted out. They were about to lose it. It was, I paid them 2000 and I paid the bank almost like another 8,000. I picked it up. I'm going to be all in total with the loan about 52, uh, 152. And the house is like worth, uh, like 190 and it'll rent. It don't matter. I'm just going to hold I, Those are things that I add to my portfolio and hold them anyways. They're all over, you know, 150 grand. So I get my tax, good tax deductions, uh, for owning property that, that are that high. Yeah, um, we, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't have the conversation with them and said more sub twos, 
because we, we always keep our eyes open to it. And what happens is a deal comes in and then it's like a shifting basket and whatever just doesn't work. And it's like, oh, well, it didn't go through that basket. You pick it up and it's like, oh, this is a sub two deal. You present the offer and if they don't like it, you just move on. I love it. What about you, Christina? Yeah, um, we've been looking at a lot of more um, seller financing and even like just offering it as an additional source. Um, and I think we picked up a sub two. We should be closing either tomorrow or early next week. Um, and it's just going to be actually, I, the sub two I'm taking it on and then I'm going to actually rent it out to one of the employees. Um, so it's not really like a huge thing, but it does add things to the portfolio. It does, um, put cash in the pocket and just have that steady flow. Um, but I think, I think one of the biggest things is not, not necessarily like just being a one trick pony and like having a bunch of different options available to your seller, to your buyers, um, you know, this is a time where you are supposed to be the resource, right? So you have to know what the options are that are available to them. Um, you need to know all the options for the seller, whether it's sub two seller financing, whether it's, um, a loan modification or whatever it is, even sometimes it's not really going to benefit you. Um, but my biggest thing is, you know, if you're constantly a resource, people are, it's, it's just going to come back and just keep on building those relationships with people. And then for your buyers, like, there's lenders, you know, private money lenders and things that you can connect them with. So put yourself in a position to where you are the go-to person um, in that space. You're positioning yourself to, to win regardless of what's going on. And if you're the resource, everything can happen, you know, that way. All right, Raphael, the, the mob's going to come after me if I don't, if right. I don't throw right. something to you out here. Uh, so I think we've got a couple of questions. I can't unmute you right now, but uh, we've got a couple of questions about people who would like to know from you if, if what do you recommend for people to do in their real estate investing businesses right now? If you were still doing this, what recommendations would you give to people? Uh, first, first of all, um, I want to apologize. I'm probably going to get like 10 more calls. Some random block number is blowing me up and I'm on my cell phone. So I apologize. Uh, is there a way to stop this person from calling? Do not disturb. Did I put it on airplane mode without? No, do not disturb mode. Right down. Get that little. Do, do not disturb mode. Oh, boom! Got it. I think we're good now. Sorry about that. I don't know who it is. Somebody's trying to. I think somebody's literally. Right. We, we were talking about uh, the the haters in our industry. This this may be what's going on right, right now. Turn your airplane same. mode on. The, the little plane. Turn the plane on in your. No, I, I got it. I got it. I'm gonna I'm gonna get right on my on my laptop. Hold on one second. Two seconds. My airplane mode is on. Somebody's right, trying well, to we'll sabotage him. Mute him for a second and let him figure that out. So sorry about that, guys. I was I know there's a lot of people on here that respect Raphael. I was not purposely trying to ignore him in this conversation. Uh, it's just I'm seeing him go in and out, in and out, and I, I don't want to try to bring him in for that reason right there. So sorry about that, guys. I was not trying to do that. Rafael, are you good with us now? Yeah, I got, I got, my, I got my laptop on. All right, brother. Well, well for, give, give some people some advice on you know, for what, what would you recommend that they do for the real estate investing businesses right now? Can you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you, brother. Okay, perfect. All right, I appreciate it. Well, one, I'm going to be very brief. I appreciate you having me on the call, but I'm going to be very brief. Um, I hate to be negative in any capacity, but again, I just have to be realistic about where 
things are in the market, okay? Where we are in the market, 25% of American homeowners do not have enough money saved to make their next mortgage payment. If they are not working and jobs are still down, what's going to happen, right? Again, I'm gonna answer your question in a second by saying this, what's going to happen, okay? And, and Max was talking about where are we in the market, right? We are about to be in an oversupply. Right now, we're not. We're in, an under, we're, we're in demand, we're in an undersupply, right? We're about to be in an oversupply. Default rates are going to skyrocket. Rent, rent defaults have already skyrocketed, right? They've already skyrocketed. And what's the government solution? Again, printing a bunch of money. So what do you do as a real estate investor? Is one, one thing that I've realized is that I am not a real estate investor. I am an entrepreneur, okay? And, and if I was gonna be completely honest, in the last 30 days, I've made literally, I, I swear, I've made over a million dollars in the last 30 days investing in the right Forex trades because as this market declines, there's a massive, while people are losing money, it's going to someone else's pocket. Okay, and I just wanna make sure that it's grabbing my pockets and I'm getting a percentage of it. In Amazon, in Forex, in my Forex investments, and guess what else is a massive shift for all the wholesalers here that you can literally take the exact same business principles and implement it and grow even a $20 million, $40 million business doing. Can anybody take a guess? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it is. In 2008, one of my buddies scaled a massive, massive organization okay, in the midst of a crisis, right? He scaled it overnight to over $25 million. And guess what that is? Loan modifications. We heard when we talked about loan modifications multiple times, help people out with their loans. They get paid $3,000. And guess what? As Max was saying, a lot of haters in this industry, Max, you already know what we're talking about, right? But um, not only that, there's a lot of competition. I want to go into a business model where there's a blue ocean. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm shifting Again, I'm shifting wholesaling. When buyers, it's not an if, it's, it's really a when, okay? 25% of Americans do not have the money to pay their next mortgage payment. So it's not an if, it's a when. It's a when. It's a ticking time bomb. And, and, and when the prices are going down, if you talk to a lot of wholesalers or investors in 2008, when prices are going down, buyers are waiting. There's, there's a waiting period. There's a waiting period as prices are going down, buyers are waiting to see, hey, where are prices gonna fall? And when that happens, wholesaling is gonna be absolutely amazing. We're gonna crush it. Until that happens, it's gonna be really tough for wholesalers. But guess what's gonna be amazing? A blue ocean, low modifications, low modifications. When everyone is going through foreclosure rate and wholesalers are trying to stick to the same model, I get it, your, 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 your uh, lead per cost ratio is gonna be amazing. Of course, because everyone wants to sell. But who's gonna be buying? That's the question. If you have a buyer that's still buying, that's obviously extremely valuable. But, so two things that I would say. One, find the buyers that are actually buying right now. They are your biggest asset. It is immediately a buyer's market. Focus on building those relationships with the buyers. The second thing, start studying on loan modifications. Because when default rates skyrocket, when, not if, when they skyrocket, based on macroeconomic trends, I've, I've, study what Ray Dalio is saying, okay? There's, there's multiple different macroeconomics experts that know and are already predicting what's happening based on just what the government's doing. So what do I suggest? Study on loan modifications. Be adaptable. If you're an entrepreneur, not a real estate investor, if you're an entrepreneur, you're adaptable to opportunities, massive opportunities, okay? So, and, and I'm telling you right now, that's why I'm so excited. It sucks because the, 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 uh, Unemployment rate is going to skyrocket, which is going to cause 
more suicides and more chaos. And that's why we as entrepreneurs, we're not investors. We're not real estate one trick ponies. We're entrepreneurs that move with the markets. We move and we shift with the markets. Why? Because our families depend on it and our community depends on it. You see what I'm saying? So it's our obligation to make massive amounts of wealth because this is the time that we've been waiting for, right? Everyone's like, I've been waiting for a recession. Well, what do you do now? Now it's time to cap, right now, like to, right now, today, what I've been doing for the last 30 days. You know what I'm saying? Well, everyone's spending all this time hating on me because I'm shutting down my company. I've been building my wealth, which I've already accumulated a massive amount and we're gonna keep doing it. And that's all I wanna do so that I can go back and help people. You know what I mean? Because it's gonna be bad for a lot of average Americans. It's really sad. It really is, but it will be. So, so I, I want to go ahead and say something. I already touched base on this earlier. Raphael and I were talking earlier in the week. He said, hey, look, here's the deal. I shut down my real estate investing company. This is what I'm doing. I understand if I'm not a good fit for this panel. And I said, no, next level is about transparency and the truth. And what we want to do is help people. And if what you think what you're doing is the best thing for your life and for you as an entrepreneur, I want you to be 100% transparent and share that with our audience. So, Raphael, thank you for coming on and being as transparent as you have. I know there's a lot of people that are keyboard warriors that would not have come on here and put themselves out on this platform that's going to be seen by thousands of people and, and basically allowed themselves to be scrutinized because you made a shift for yourself as an entrepreneur. So, thank you. Nothing but respect for you for coming on and doing this today. Absolutely. So, Thank you for having me, honestly, guys. Absolutely. Can you guys so, all smile really quickly one time for me? It's a right funny now? thing, RJ. When you, when you have money, you start to stop caring about what people think about you. <laughs> Amen, brother. So, hey, we got a couple more minutes, guys. I just want to wrap up with everybody, let everybody have some final words. So, Donovan, final words? Uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, looks like we got close to 300 people on here. Um, hey guys, go out there. Just understand you're not going to starve to death. You're not going to be homeless. You're not going to not have water. Um, appreciate the good things in life right now. You know, you guys have time to spend with family, um, regroup, obviously life's not all about business and it, it'll humble you. And if, if you don't get humbled, God will humble it for you. So that's pretty much what's happening to the entire world right now. So you're not the only one if you're struggling, um, just stay close to people that know what they're doing that have a plan and develop your own plan. Um, let's get after it. Amen, brother. I love you. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Christina? Um, I think the biggest thing is just start researching and start getting as much information as you can under your belt. Looking at these rental properties, um, looking at analyzing cash flow, if that's your play. Um, but I think that the biggest thing that everyone's kind of learning from this um, is with, you know, with Raphael sharing what he's done is to pivot like, and, and sometimes you don't have to completely abandon the boat. Obviously he still has interest in multi in properties and he's still getting cash flow and everything. Um, so don't think that that's kind of his thing. He didn't sell off everything. Um, he's just started a whole new, a whole new business. And that that's the whole premise here. So regardless of what you decide to do, whether it is, it is investing or wholesaling or being a landlord, um, is really just being ahead of the game and knowing what's what's coming up um, and buying right. If you buy right, nothing really matters. Like that's why even in this time that's uncertain and stuff, you know, at the end of the day, even if we cash out on some of our rental properties, we'll be sitting super pretty 
So that, that's just the, the big difference when you look at things um, from a different perspective. So, yeah. Mr. Maxwell. Man, I just want to say, everybody, just, just be positive, be adaptable. Um, yo, there's, it, it, this is just the cycles of life. And if you're a true entrepreneur and you weren't looking to try to make a quick buck off of this and your mind is focused on long term, you're not going to panic. It doesn't matter. We're all going to get through this just fine. Look at the bright side of things, like Don said, and just, just try to go out there and find the silver lining in anything you do. And um, I appreciate you guys and everybody on this panel for having me and everybody for taking the time out of the day to be here. So I hope, I hope we poured into a lot of people. Thank you so much. Uh, guys, we did five of these. Uh, it was such an honor to be on this. We had some of the most, the people that I respect the most in this industry. Um, I'm honored to be able to be on this, these panels, have these conversations. Uh, I think this was probably the most unique call out of all of them, uh, just the different perspectives. Uh, the fact that we have someone going to a whole different market, but I think we all agree, um, and Max said it best at the beginning, that we're not real estate investors, we're entrepreneurs. Um, Raphael, best of luck to you with your new venture. Um, when we rolled out Skip Tracing, I got called the Skip Trace Guru. I'm sure you're gonna get called the Amazon Guru from now, so sign your new checks, Amazon Guru. They still cash the same. I'm sure you're going to be highly successful with everything that you do. Uh, thank you for everybody attending, and we will talk to you soon.